Small Business Focus on The Money Show. The Small Business Focus brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Pablo Fatidi is in studio with us this evening. Uh, Pablo, um, companies and chief executives and managing directors and founders will often say, you know, the greatest asset my company has is the people. Um, uh, when the lift goes down at the end of the day, the assets leave the building along with them. And you're... <laughs> Oh, because lots of people say that. Um, one of the biggest liabilities, potential liabilities, any business has got is, oh, the people. It is, and it's, we, we create that environment for the liability. If you think what's going on at the moment, times are quite tough for a lot of people. Everyone's stretched. And in the small business environment, and, and Bruce, by small business, I'm talking a business doing up to, let's say, 50 million rand. It's still a small business yeah. in many ways. So in that environment, you're reluctant to employ because we've got a fairly inflexible labor environment over here. Generally, it's very hard to find skills that are affordable. And you are uncertain about what's happening with the economy, what it'll look like tomorrow. So in that environment, we start to create opportunities for staff that we know and trust. People who we believe get us. <laughs> you know that individual who's always the first at work and perhaps the last to leave? That individual who always takes work home over the weekends? That individual who wants the laptop with them so that they can work from wherever, whenever, as it may suit you. We lean more heavily on those individuals and we provide them with more responsibility. Because they're a team player. They're a team player. They get us, they understand us. Now, the classic, classic signals of the white-collar criminal, um, not everybody who works hard uh, is a white-collar criminal, but the classic sign that you may be, have somebody in your organization who you should be looking at more closely rather than unleashing them on the company ledger um, is somebody with those sorts of characteristics, the most trusted employee, because they get given so much access. And in many cases, um, it's absolutely fine. But it's generally, if there's going to be trouble in the company, it is those, it's people with that level of trust that are likely to perpetuate it. Completely them. It's completely them. But there are four environments that we can create. Can I just tell you a quick story before we talk mm -hmm. about the environments? Um, Stephen Powell, um, the forensics guy from Edward Nathan Sonnenberg, who was on the radio with us this week, um, he told me a story a couple of years ago about a woman who worked in a company in Kimberley. And um, she was a wonderful employee. She was so trusted. And she was a good and godly woman. And she was part of her church committee. Uh, she was the treasurer on the church committee. She understood, her, she understood finances. When they managed to unpick the fraud that she'd perpetuated... It had been created with the most extraordinary genius. Um, she'd started by, by, by diddling the petty cash with the full intention of paying it back. She was a bit short. And so she treated it like a bit like a, a payday loan, a little personal Wonga loan, interest-free. Um, and then once or twice she didn't pay back the money and then nobody noticed. Uh, and so she next time took a bit more and with the intention of paying it back, but nobody noticed. And then it got to a point where the petty cash had been depleted, so she started having to devise new mechanisms. And she set up a, a, a massive fraud using, um, I, I keep wanting to call it an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, but it's an EFT, an electronic funds transfer. And the simplest means of fraud is you create on the front of the internet banking, if you are the accountant in a business, um, you know, regular payments go to Pablo Fatidi. So we put Pablo Fatidi's. But in the background of that is an account number where the money is channeled directly to you. It's 
it's a simple fraud, but a cursory examination was, geez, we're paying Pavel a lot, but hey, he's worth it. He's such a fabulous guy. Off we go. But the money has been channeled into other accounts. And what she was doing was paying it into the church account. She was creating a diversion. Um, so if anybody ever looked, they might think it's a donation or something along those lines. And but she was the treasurer it. then. And she was the treasurer. And she had a credit card issued by the bank on the church's account. Uh, or a debit card or a credit card. She had a card issued, uh, which was, uh, and she was the treasurer, and nobody knew. Now, people started becoming uncomfortable because she was always at work early. She was always at work late. She never took lunch breaks. She never took leave, which was a clear and classic signal that she didn't want to lose control. And it was the, uh, her system unraveled first at the church because um, the, the elders of the church or whoever the people were in the church were a little bit uncomfortable with her secrecy around the finances. She got sick and she took three days off and she wasn't at the church for three days and they delved straight into the accounts. And they, what they uncovered was something like a 1.5 million rand fraud that had run over many years. And she was using, she had a gambling problem. And she was going to the local casino and using the church's debit card to draw the cash in the casinos. And she was blowing thousands every weekend to feed her gambling addiction. And the money was being channeled out of the company she worked for via the church and going through via the local casino. And she was feeding this habit. An extraordinary, simple fraud. But those circumstances you've just described, Bruce, are absolutely... They're replicable, they're mirrorable, they are the, the addiction, mm-hmm. any form of addiction, any form of addiction is an external motivating factor. So it could be drugs or gambling or drinking or whatever the case is. But if somebody is an addict in any shape or form, it's highly likely they've got to feed that habit. Yeah. And that habit to be fed by simply a paycheck becomes almost impossible. The other thing to look for, it would be interesting to know if, let's say she weren't an addict. Let's say the catalyzing factor could have been a change in circumstances. Somebody in the family gets sick? Someone gets sick. It's, it's, Even worse, it's a child absolutely. who gets sick. And, and, and in your head oh. you're saying, I will do anything that I have to to look after my child. And people who are ordinarily honorable but are embarrassed by their financial circumstances borrow a little bit of money and it goes to that thing with the intention of paying it back. Completely. And when the systems don't pick up um, the initial fraud and the problem worsens, they become emboldened. And suddenly they're not in a position anymore where they can pay it back. And, but they're in so deep that there's no going back. So it becomes a habit. You and know, an, a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, I, I bought a business for a rand. And I thought I was being very clever. It was this, what was that company? Was it OK Bazaars? I remember as a kid seeing it in the newspaper. A- SAB Miller owned OK Bazaars and ShopRite bought OK Bazaars 1983, I think, for a rand. Yeah. That tells us when you were a kid. Yeah. And you thought, <laughs> hey... I want to do this one day. I want to do this one day. Except you don't understand the liabilities that come with it. No, absolutely. And I didn't. And the people who come with it. Absolutely, I didn't. So nonetheless, I bought the business for a rand. And um, there were a a couple of liabilities that I hadn't seen in it. But one of the assets, I was told, was a bookkeeper of 14 years. And they had no computerized systems at that point in time. Everything was done on a manual basis. And this woman had... A very particular set of habits. She was never available on Sunday because she was always attending a church service. She was the first in on Monday. She was the last out on Friday. She constantly took work home. And I started to put things in place. The business started to turn. And Bruce, I really thought that nothing, it wasn't translating. 
I checked my pricing. I thought I had my margins wrong. I checked everything that I possibly could. And then over a day, I decided that the time had come to computerize the entire business. So over an Easter weekend, when the business was closed, I went in with the system and I computerized it. By Tuesday morning, first thing, everything was anew. By Wednesday, I discovered that she had created a fictitious customer that was actually a relative. Stock was being issued. She was invoicing the stock. And at the same time, she was issuing a credit note before the invoice could actually translate. The only way to have picked it up are through the exception reports in a proper accounting package. On a manual basis, it had been happening for years and years and years. It was impossible to spot. Ways to protect yourself from precisely these dreadful scenarios in your business because it will destroy your cash flow and ultimately will destroy your business. Small Business Focus on The Money Show. So you buy a business or you create a business and you put security at the gate, you put burglar bars on the windows, you uh, put special tags on all the computers, you, you buy Apple computers and you put the Find My PC on, the, you download the app so that you can track the computer if it's ever stolen, and you bulletproof your business from outside threats. But little do you know um, that the biggest threat could be lurking within. So how do we protect ourselves from the enemy inside? Well, there are a couple of things. The first thing is we've spoken about the environment. Okay, the conditions that actually create fraud, the conditions that incentivize it. But there are a couple of things, Bruce. The first thing is don't create an opportunity for it. So I'm sorry, I'm going to bang on this. I'm going to mm. bang on a little bit about yeah, systems, absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah. If you create systems. Well, it was the system that uncovered the fraud um, that um, saved you from, 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 from implosion. Absolutely right. It was the system. It was the system. It was a set of organized activities that were all measurable. So when something didn't measure up, at least I could identify it. But here's the thing. In every business, you've got staff who've got to perform certain functions. And there's this thing called segregation of duties. It's where certain functions should ideally be broken up into one or two people's area of responsibility. Granted, in small businesses, that's often difficult. But then what it means, as the owner of the business, you should be the ultimate person who makes the payment or who insists on the reconciliation being outsourced to perhaps your accounting firm. Yeah, but get it done independently. But you've got to avoid collusion as well because what stops people ultimately colluding? One person busts another for for diddling the petty cash and perhaps it's a small business, whatever the case is. And they begin to think, well, he hasn't spotted it yet. Well, let's work on this together. Nobody's going to believe we're working together on this particular thing. We'll even have a cat fight occasionally uh, to to create the impression that we hate each other's guts or whatever the case might be. You know, you've got to prevent the, the possibility of collusion too. You know what happens so often? And it's remarkable how you can have 30 staff working in, let's say, a branch. So let's say small gyms. So let's say you've got a couple of gyms. You've got a couple of gyms here, there, everywhere. You have access control, and access control is really your till. Mm-hmm. People only go through if they've paid. But here's the thing. If you have a manager who has the ability to override the access control in case there's an emergency or in case someone wants to see the environment but not necessarily become a client, what then stops that manager saying to someone, instead of paying the debit order, come see me, and for 50 bucks you go through. And when that manager gets spotted by someone else, they then say, well, listen, I'll give you 20 rand for every person that comes through. And it becomes absolutely pervasive. Yeah, I've worked in an environment where I've seen that happen. 138 people 
Bruce, 134 of them were all responsible for that kind of fraud. So the collusion was just that extraordinary. I mean, that's a complex, uh, that's a complex plot. It's very, very complex. Mm -hmm. And it was an environment, it was, it was a middle income, a middle to low income environment. So mostly all the payments were cash based. Yeah. Becomes very, very difficult to operate a cash business in that type of environment. I mean, and so many small businesses, I think, struggle if they've got people who are working for them. I mean, I was once approached by a shower installer saying, oh, don't buy the stuff from us. Well, you know, I'll come and install the one, and but you've got two others. Just go off to Macro and buy the slightly cheaper versions, and I'll install it on the weekend, and I'll do it for X price. It was like, I found his manager. You know, in this case, do you know that you're being robbed? Um, I'm not popular, but, you know, it's the right <laughs> thing to do. And you paid more for your shower head and, as well. Yeah, you end up paying more for the shower. But, it, <laughs> but you, 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 you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, I, I won't be part of your fraud. No, you absolutely. But, but so that when, when you employ people as well, that's another feature. When you employ, do you really know who you're employing? Because, Bruce, the number of false CVs or false references on CVs. Yeah. Uh, in the one business that, that I've done some work in, that was quite interesting. The particular bookkeeper over here had a, an email address, obviously. And he went and created a CV for somebody who was looking for a job. He claimed on the CV, the CV said that this individual had worked for him, that he had the financial director position in this particular business, and his name was put down as the reference. So I kept on receiving these phone calls, and when I eventually figured it out, I realized that his girlfriend, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, whoever it might be, who's busy job-seeking, had on their CV that they'd worked for this particular organization for six years, had performed a whole lot of activities, and in case the person recruiting them wanted to check, they could phone this particular individual. Yeah. So there it is. When you employ somebody... I think it's incumbent upon you to actually really interrogate a CV. And don't interrogate it by saying, oh, I see you did this and this and this. You say you did this. How did you do it? Because then it becomes quite hard to defend. <laughs> Next, who did you work for and what is their contact yeah. details? And then always, I mean, it's for free. Just Google a person. You can pick up a lot about what they really did or perhaps really didn't do. Yep. So it's important to know who you're employing. All right, so you've got to know who you're employing. You've got to interrogate them vigorously. You've got to have the checks and balances in place. You've got to ultimately take responsibility for that payment mechanism. Um, and, and you've also got to be double-checking that what you're paying is really playing because EFT fraud, uh, e, yeah, EFT fraud um, is, is very easy to perpetuate. You know, it says Pavlo underneath could be Bruce's bank account and the money could be channeled to me. Very easily. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you also create a work environment where... People do not feel disenfranchised where you're straight, where you create a good atmosphere. I'm not saying it's an antidote to fraud because in those environments, you're still going to have that individual that you trust yeah. that does all the right things, etc. But it prevents pervasive fraud from taking place. If you as the leader of your own business, Bruce... Do not have the finger on the pulse. Remember that show we did about the four silent killers oh, yeah. of a business? So if you're complacent or you're in a place of comfort or really you're in a place, of, a place of blame, if you speak to your staff in a particular way, in a public environment, within the business, and you embarrass people and make them feel disenfranchised from the business, they're all the small seeds that start acting together towards creating that environment where someone can rationalize themselves saying, you know what, I work day and night for Bruce and he pays me a measly X rand and... You know, 
I'm not going to take money, but honestly, maybe I'm going to take the stationery. I deserve more than this. I deserve more. I deserve better. If he only realizes what I do, I deserve better. He doesn't understand how I live. It's not fair. When that process of rationalization begins, You're on a slippery slope. The, rot has, the rot has set in. Pavlo Fatidis, thanks very much this evening. Just uh, cautionary tales. And as economic times turn tough, and yeah, you've also got to know what's happening in your staff's personal lives. Are they in a position where they are tempted, or, or, or need to, are incentivized? Maybe they're being bullied. Maybe, they're, uh, maybe there's a syndicate who's got hold of them, for goodness sake, who's asking them to defraud you. There's lots of terrible stuff happening in the world. Pavlo Fatidis on how to protect yourself from some.